Well, this morning, I want to start off with a question, and I'm going to need a little bit of participation. Introverts, don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to talk to your neighbor or anything. It's a little crazy, but what I need you to do is I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and I would love just for you to raise your hand if it's something that fits for you, okay? How many of you would say that this week was a busy week? Yeah, a good amount of us, right? How many of you would say there were things on your list to do you didn't get done? (laughs) And how many of you have ever said, if I had more time, I would finish fill in the blank? Anybody there? That's something that I think we expect culturally, right? When we talk to somebody, I, I, I did this last night, and I often hear this when, when people ask me, the most asked question is, how are you? And oftentimes I've said, I'm good, I'm just busy, right? And maybe you've said that yourself as well. And it's an expectation that we have. Like, it would kind of surprise us if we ask someone how they're doing. They're like, man, I got everything I wanted to done this week. I have nothing on my to-do list. You might look at them and go, hmm, must be nice. (laughs) Wait till you have kids or something like that, right? But this response doesn't uh, uh, you know, surprise us because it is a cultural expectation, but we also have busy lives, right? We have our work, we have kids, school, uh, taking care of the house, cars, bills, things just add up. And as we feel busy, I think sometimes there's almost like a sense of self-worth to our busyness. Like we feel like we're needed, like we're doing something responsible, we're mature, we're important, but we also sometimes will numb ourselves to what is actually going on by just filling our life up with busyness so we never actually have to uh, deal with the stuff that's going on in our heart. And if we're honest, some of us, we have some self-inflicted busyness. Maybe we say yes to too many commitments We need to be in control of every situation, and so we insert ourselves into situations that don't necessarily need us. We constantly respond to our phone. Maybe there's a TV show. You sat down for one episode. You're three episodes in. What happened? My wife and I, about a year uh, into our marriage, uh, we bought uh, the biggest dog you could get. Uh, We got a great Dane that was like 130 pounds and went through 30 pounds of food a month. That's self-inflicted busyness. (laughs) But you guys get it, right? We have daily things that we have to do, some things we've added on our plate. But I think busyness can become unhealthy when we have so much of it in our life that we have to hurry to get everything done. And if you live in this constant state of hurry, I think it begins to disrupt our connection and our relationship with God, but also with others. There was this book that I picked up not too long ago. Uh, You might be familiar with it. It's written by a guy named John Mark Comer, and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I bought it, and it sat on my book uh, bookcase for a while because I didn't have time. And, <laughs> and then finally, I did open it up, and I read through it, and it was so, so helpful. Um, I'd encourage you to pick it up maybe, too. Um, there's so many books. We were talking about this with our pastors. It's always like someone will tell you, like, oh, have you read this book? And there's like 10 books you haven't read that you're supposed to read. But he writes this, this passage that I thought was so uh, helpful for me. He um, was a, a pastor of a church, and it was growing at the rate, he said, about 1,000 people every year. So things are going on the outside really, really well. Um, and, but this is what he said, and I thought maybe this might be something that you can relate with. Um, and, and you'll see it on, on the screen as well. It says this. He said, I feel like a ghost, half alive, half dead, more numb than anything else, flat, one-dimensional, 
Emotionally, I live with an undercurrent of a nonstop anxiety that rarely goes away and a tinge of sadness, but mostly I just feel spiritually empty. It's like my soul is hollow. My life is so fast and I like fast. I'm type A driven, a get it done kind of guy, but we're all past that now. I work six days a week, early to late, and it's still not enough time to get it all done. Worse, I feel hurried, like I'm tearing through each day, so busy with my life that I'm missing out on the moment. And what is life but a series of moments? Anybody? I can't be the only one. I have this terrifying uh, thought lurking at the back of my mind, this nagging question of conscience that won't go away. Who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? Does this resonate with you? Are you surprised at all at who you are becoming or the habits that you have formed in your life? It's so easy to let life fill us with so many things. Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make us sin, he'll make us busy. Busyness isn't the root of all evil, but I think just like sin, it causes us to be disconnected from God and from others. The result can be the same. And when our life gets filled with so many things, it's really easy to put what matters on the back burner. And I won't pretend like I know what busy looks like for you or that I have all the answers. In fact, I've failed many times. I've had busy days. I've had wasteful days. I've allowed hurry to change my attitude. I've filled myself up with so many things so I didn't have to deal with what was going on in my life. But what I want to do this morning is I want to point you to a scripture and a pattern and invite you into the peaceful presence of Jesus. It's an invitation really is what it is, not to shame you into your time with the Lord, tell you all the things that you're not doing, the 10 things that you need to cut out of your life, but really to invite you into the peaceful presence of Jesus, to to slow down and the fast pace of life that we live. To ask yourself, does how I spend my time indicate that Jesus is a priority in my life? I love this in Matthew chapter 11. uh, There's an invitation that Jesus gives you, gives you and I. And I want, as I read this to you this morning, for you to see this message through this lens of this scripture. I'm reading it through the message version that's written by Eugene Peterson. It's a, not, it's a paraphrase, so it's not a word-for-word translation, but I love the way that this is written. And again, imagine Jesus saying this to you this morning. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When I was preparing for this message, um, I came across uh, one by Pastor uh, Craig Rochelle. Um, And he does some leadership podcasts and different things like that. You might know their church because their church actually uh, came up with the YouVersion Bible app that we all, most of us have downloaded on our phone. And he was talking about something similar to this. And he asked this question that really stuck with me. And I want to ask you the same thing this morning. He said, what if the greatest enemy to the life that you want is the life that you're currently living? What if the greatest enemy to the life that you want, the relationship that you want with God, the time that you want to spend with God, what if what's really in the way is the habits that you've you formed, the life that you're currently living right now? And I want you to think about with me the way that Jesus lived. 
three years of ministry, he had a lot to do, a lot to accomplish before he would die and resurrect. He preached, he mentored disciples, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he resisted the devil, he attended weddings, performed miracles, cast out demons, had time for a Samaritan woman, and much, much more. But isn't it interesting, I've never read not once that Jesus ever ran. Jesus was busy, but he wasn't in a hurry. Not only this, we see Jesus stepping away from his busyness, the things that he had on his plate to spend time with the Father. You'll see it in your notes. There's five different examples of when Jesus has prioritized time with the Father. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is baptized, and then he spends 40 days in the wilderness where he resists the devil. He fasts and he prays. You see in Luke 6, Jesus spends a whole night alone before he goes and chooses his disciples In Matthew 14, after John the Baptist is beheaded, it says that Jesus went away to be by himself. And then in verse 23, he feeds the 5,000. He sends his disciples ahead of him. He dismisses the crowd and then goes up to the mountainside to pray by himself. And then in Luke 22, hours before he's about to be arrested, he prays in emotional agony. If we are followers of Jesus and Jesus was busy, but Jesus had time to be with the Father. So can we. So can we. And there's a classic story that maybe you've heard of of two sisters, and we're going to read it today, starting in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And I want to encourage you, whether or not you're familiar with this story, to allow it to minister to you, allow it to draw you again an invitation into the presence of Jesus. It says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I was telling one of my friends what I would be talking about today, and we were kind of laughing because we were like, man, could you imagine making like one mistake, and then it's written in the Bible, and people preach about it for you know, thousands of years that one time that you messed up? I mean, like Peter denied Jesus three times. That's a bad day, right? Like, but that's in, that's in the scripture. Uh, I love I love Mary and Mar- Martha. They're great sisters. They both love Jesus. They're very sincere in the way that they follow him. But Martha, and Martha's doing what I think most of us would probably do. Jesus is coming over to your house. Get things ready. We want to make sure everything looks clean. Don't stuff stuff under your bed. Actually put it away, right? Like, let's get ready. Jesus is coming to our house, right? She's trying to practice hospitality as Jesus teaches his followers, But what Jesus points out is that she got so caught up in the busyness, the anxiety and the hurry and all the doing for Jesus that she missed out on being with Jesus. And isn't that true for us sometimes that we get so caught up in all the things that we want to do for Jesus that we miss out on the invitation to be with him. And he's inviting us to be with him this morning. I have four points for you today. Three of them on what happens when we get too busy uh, for God. And then the last one, what do we do? How do we move forward? The first point that I have for you this morning is when you're too busy for God, you miss out on what he's saying. See, Martha took a very important step 
She invited Jesus into her home. But there's a difference between where she's at and where Mary's at. Did you see where Mary was at? It says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Mary wanted to be as close to Jesus as she could be. She didn't want to miss a word. And I love this because this is a time where rabbis didn't have women disciples. And a disciple uh, would be somebody who would sit at the feet of someone. So there's Mary. And women weren't usually invited into these conversations. Where's Mary? She's right there. While Martha's doing what is culturally expected of her, Mary is intentionally inserting herself into the conversation. You see, Martha, she opened up her home, but I believe Mary opened up her heart. And I wonder for you, when was the last time when you wouldn't let anything get in the way between you and Jesus? You just had to be there. You didn't want to miss what he had to say. And is there even enough time? Is there so much noise in your life that God can even speak to you? Or would it be drowned out by what's going on? I was looking through some statistics recently of how we spend our time as Americans, and this was done in 2021. It's not very encouraging, Um, (laughs) but we can look at these together. Uh, And I'm included in this, okay? Uh, But we spend about an average, this is daily, three to four hours of watching TV, four hours and 45 minutes on our phone. If you're a millennial, it's double. (laughs) Lord help us. 90 times a day on our phone, once every 10 minutes. So during this message, you might be tempted to look at your phone, if you haven't already, between four to eight times. My, my dad would always say that our phone knows our face better than God knows our face. It's like, ooh, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> the shoe fits, kick it off, right? He also says that as well. <laughs> we spent about four hours and five minutes listening to music, 37 minutes of socializing, 19 minutes of reading, and five minutes on anything religious. And the crazy thing is the year before, it was eight minutes. So it went down by three minutes. Uh, something they also do is they were asking Americans, like, what, what do they get fulfillment from? Out of the things that they do, how, do they, how are they fulfilled? So there's a chart, you can throw it up. Uh, you'll notice that the, there are things that'll show you the things that we spend the least amount of time doing are the things that tend to fill us up. And the things we spend the most time doing are the things we, you know, that don't fill us up. And now there are, obviously there's some things on this list that we have to do, but there are some things on this list, if we're honest, we really don't. They're self-inflicted busyness. And as I saw these statistics and I saw myself in it and allowed the Lord to convict me, I was reminded of a story that I heard of a father who was noticing how his own habits with his phone was affecting his relationship with his kids. Every morning when he would get up, the first thing that he would do is he would open up his phone and he would look at his emails. And one morning he was woken up by his son's cries and he began to look at his email and start to respond to somebody and and send an email. And all of a sudden he's like, wait, what was it that got me up? What was I supposed to do? And he realized he all of a sudden he hears his son's cries again. And there was something happening in his heart. He's like, wow, I'm I'm taking this time to respond to somebody that doesn't expect me to send an email to them now. And he said this and it stuck with me. He said, how was it that I'd come to a place where my heart was more responsive to the cries of my office than the cries of my son? And I wonder how that might be true for us are the cries of this world, are you more responsive to the cries of this world than the voice of our God? 
When they surveyed about 20,000 Christians in over 139 uh, countries, 60% of them said they often or always feel that the busyness of their life gets in the way of the relationship with God. You see, what I've learned in my, my walk with the Lord is that listening to God is an intentional act. I have to take the time to make sure and position myself in a way that he would speak to me. And, you know, we don't know exactly what it was that Jesus was saying that had Mary's attention. But all those who were listening did. And so I want, I want to say that in a, as a way of don't miss out on what God might have to say to you in the morning. Remember, it's an invitation. I see it as God. He's just saying, man, I have something for you today. I don't want you to miss it. Do you hear his heart this morning? Don't miss out on what he's saying. The second thing is this. When you're too busy for God, you trade away your peace. Did you see the difference between the Mary and Martha? Martha's worried, overwhelmed, and upset, but Mary, she's comfortable, she's happy, and at peace. Martha, she's busy in the kitchen working on that Popeye's recipe she got on Pinterest. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Chopping the vegetables, brewing the coffee, setting the table, worrying about all the things that need to get done. Just put yourself in her shoes, right? Jesus is coming over. He's knocked on the door. Everyone's excited that he's here. They've left you in the kitchen so they can go and say hi to Jesus. And, you know, it turns from five minutes into 30 minutes. You're wondering where everybody's at. What's happened? They've all left me in here. Martha's searching for her sister. And where is she at? She's at the feet of Jesus. Come on. She just thinks everything gets magically done around here, right? Like, that's how I picture Martha thinking in her head. And she, maybe she did this, you know, she, maybe she's a little passive aggressive. She's like slamming some doors and pots and pans around. You know how you do. You're trying to get people's attention. A little passive aggressive there. And nobody comes to her aid, right? Nobody notices. And so she's like, all right, I'm going to have to go and deal with this myself. And so she feels super justified. And she goes up to Jesus and she says to Jesus, don't you care? And she starts to tell Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. Do you know how upset you have to be to think that you care more than Jesus does? <laughs> That's where she's at. And then she like breaks all the rules of hospitality and it, it, she makes it a little awkward. She's like trying to embarrass her sister in front of everybody and like inviting her guests into their family dysfunction. Like maybe you've been in those situations, right? But this is Martha doing this and like this is Jesus, right? Like what would it be like to be Mary watching your sister, you know, throw your name out like that? So Martha, she's got a lot on her, her heart. She's very distracted. She's hurried. She's, there's so much happening. And it led her to five reactions that we see in the text. The first is disbelief. Because of what was going on in her own heart, she began to question Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? God, there's so many things going on in my life. Why did this happen? Why don't you see? Do you understand what I'm going through? She gets defensive my sister's left me alone. All she can see is her own perspective. She's dismissive. What I'm doing is more important than what Mary is doing. She makes demands. Jesus, tell her to help me. And she's desperate. She tries to control the situation. And I love Jesus's response to her. And I imagine him saying something like this to us this morning. Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things but only a few, actually only one is needed. 
I wonder for you, what things have you upset right now? What is stealing your time? How have you reacted to people out of your hurry? See, worry is normal, but it's a waste of time. In Matthew 6, it says it like this. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Think about it this way. Looking back on the times that you worried, have you ever had a moment where you're like, man, I'm so glad that I worried for like three days. I was worried sick. I'm going to go for five days this next time, see how it goes. You know, that's not how worry works. It's like, oh, why did I worry so much? It like took me out. And Philippians 4 says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Many of the things that we worry about in our life are out of control, but the one thing that isn't, the one thing that we can do is find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. How many times have I ever said, man, once I finish this, once the season slows down a little bit, once these things happen, then I'll have time for Jesus. Then I'll make him a priority, not realizing that every single day I make that choice, I'm choosing to trade away my peace. Don't trade away your peace this morning. Thirdly, when you're too busy for God, you lose perspective of what matters. If I'm honest, when I read this story, I, I kind of uh, understand where Martha's coming from, you know, because if you've, you've, you've done any kind of work for people or you're inviting people over, right, you're doing all the work and, you know, what is everybody else doing? They're kind of just chatting and talking like, man, like, come help us out, right? Like, does anybody notice? I kind of understand her perspective, but her mistake was not seeing the value of what Mary was doing. You see, Mary, Martha was busy, but Mary was busy too. Mary was busy sitting at the feet of Jesus. She never lost perspective of what matters here. And this idea, when I was thinking about not losing perspective, that we always have a value for what matters, it reminded me of a parable that I heard many years ago about these two thieves that broke into this jewelry store, and they didn't steal anything, but what they did was really smart is they switched the price tags. So the things that were expensive now had cheap price tags on them. And the things that were cheap now had really expensive price tags. And so for weeks, people are going in and they're buying jewelry and they're thinking that they're buying something really expensive, not knowing that it's worth really nothing. And on the other end, people are giving as much as they could. This is what I thought I could get, not knowing that it was worth 10 times more. And whenever I heard this story, I, it just reminds me of what the enemy does into our, in our lives as well. He comes in and he switches the price tags, doesn't he? He gets us to spend our time to give ourselves to things that we think really matter, that are really valuable, all the while they're not doing anything for us. And the things that we should be giving our time to, the things that we should see as valuable, we're not seeing them as valuable. There are a lot of important need to's in our life, but really there's one really, really important need to the thing that we were created for. That's relationship with Jesus. Mary made sitting at the feet of Jesus her primary reward. And she never loses perspective of this. In John chapter 11, after her brother Lazarus dies, she's called to Jesus and it says that she wept and she fell at his feet. Then in chapter 12, after Jesus has raised her brother from the dead, it says six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served, 
<laughs> there she is. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' uh, feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Man, it's like every time we read about Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. Wouldn't you like that to be said about your life? Every time, they're just always at the feet of Jesus. I would love for this to be written about my life. And this is what Mary does. She never loses perspective. I've heard this passage taught where it's kind of like either you're a Mary or a Martha, right? Either you're a prayer warrior or you're serving. And uh, I don't think Jesus pits these two against each other. I think what he's telling us is one before the other, Mary before Martha. Because here's the reality. We need some Marthas in the church. Come on. We need you to serve in kids' ministry. We need you to go and help in, in different areas in ministry. But man, Mary before Martha. We need to spend time in the secret place. So what we do in the secret place will flow out into the public place. Amen. So when our lives are busy, filled with more meetings and cooking and shopping and bills and everything adds up in our life, let's not forget the most important need to in our life. Matthew says it like this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. I like that. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When you're too busy for God, finally, I think you're just too busy. You're too busy. We know this is true in our friendships and our relationships, our marriages. In order for a relationship to grow, we need to spend time with one another. And if we allow the busy, if I allow the busyness of my life to not allow me to spend time with my wife, there's going to be a disconnection and the fruit of that is not going to be good. I'm so thankful that I got to see this type of a good relationship modeled in my parents. Uh, many busy seasons of their life, and they would go out on dates and spend time with one another. And they wanted to be good parents, and I think that came and flew out of, uh, flowed out of that. Well, one thing I've never forgot is my mom, every morning at 7 a.m., she would read the Bible. Uh, she would spend time with Jesus. And so as I would get up and i get ready for school, there was mom. And there are times on the weekend uh, where I try to get up and be with her, but any high schooler knows 7 a.m. feels like an ungodly hour at the time. <laughs> Lord, help me. I need it. <laughs> but I remember that model that I got to see in my mom, the way that my dad handled the word and made it a priority in our home. I didn't always see it as a kid, but I'm so thankful now. Jesus was busy. There were so many people that wanted his attention but he always made time for the Father. There's this day in, in Mark chapter 5. It won't be on the screen, but I, uh, I want to explain it to you. It's a really busy day. Jesus, he cast out a legion of demons into pigs. I don't know if that's a normal Sunday for you. That's kind of crazy, right? He does that, and then he crosses over the lake. There's this large crowd, and a, a synagogue leader named Jairus comes to him and says, hey, my daughter is sick. She needs your help. And so Jesus begins to walk with him. As he's walking there, somebody reaches out. She touches him, and she's healed. And Jesus takes the time to stop and encourage her, address what just happened. While he's taking his sweet time, Jairus' daughter dies. And his friends come to him and say, hey, your daughter is dead. You don't need to bother Jesus anymore. And Jesus says, hey, let's go. And then he says that she's what? She's been sleeping. 
and he, she uh, arises. There's so many people in this one chapter that want Jesus's attention all in one day. Jesus was busy, but he was never rushed. He wasn't in a hurry. Another thing I found helpful from the book, A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, were the five signs that you're moving too fast through life. And as we close, I wanted to bring this to you this morning. There's really 10 in the book, but I thought these five were were more in connection with what we're talking about. The first is this, restlessness. When you finally do have time to rest or go on vacation, you can't actually relax. You always have to be doing something. When you sit down to read the Bible, you can't really concentrate because you're thinking about all the things that you need to do, all the things that you need to get done. It can come out in escapist behaviors, remember, or maybe you're in Netflix, video games, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is to try to distract yourself from the pain that you're going through. You're just exhausted. You're tired from where your life is. And so you spend your time on that. It takes energy for you to do discipline and to uh, see the things that give you uh, life for your soul. And it's so, so, so much easier for you to escape into these behaviors or addictions. Maybe you're not able to attend to basic needs like sleeping or exercise or friendships. You hoard your energy. So there's so much in your life that you can only give a percentage of yourself to certain things. And so nothing gets all of you because if you were to give yourself 100% of yourself to something, you wouldn't be able to make it. And five, you're slipping in your spiritual practices. The very things that are supposed to satisfy, to speak to your identity, to draw you closer to God are the first things to go rather than the first things that we go to. I wonder if you feel stuck this morning, exhausted or just plain too busy. Remember, the invitation of Jesus is not out of shame. He wants you to encounter his presence. He wants, he has things that he wants to say to you every day. And when we're too busy for God, we miss out on what he's saying. We trade away our peace. We lose perspective of what matters. And we're just too busy. So what do we do? What do we do? I think Jesus gives us a really practical tip in Matthew chapter 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So first Jesus says to go into your inner room. What he's telling us is to find a place, find a place in your home that could work for you. For my mom, it's the couch for myself, the same thing. What I realized really quick is that I can't uh, try to read the word in the bed because I'll fall asleep. So find somewhere in your home where that, like, that's the thing. Like if you think about it in your friendships and in your marriages or relationships, don't you have special places that you like to go to? right? Like nobody else is invited. This is just you. You have memories there. And I think God wants the same thing with you, where you find a special place. It could be in your home. One of the places I like to go uh, was a beach uh, where I lived and because nobody would be there. And I just, I could just spend time with the Lord and some of the most impactful things he spoke to me during those times. Find a place where you can be with the Lord. The second thing he says is to shut the door, which means to shut out all the distractions, If you got to turn off your phone, turn off your phone. Get a physical Bible. There's something special about it, right? If you're in the room with the TV, you're going to be distracted. Move the TV out of the room. Go out of the, find a different room, whatever you have to do, right? Because you don't want to miss out on what God has to say for you.
And then he says, pray to your father. Hurry might be the problem in in our lives, but more time is not the solution. The solution is more of what matters. The solution is more of what matters. And when I was preparing for this message, I was reminded, um, I've given like a picture of uh, something that happened, and I think it's a picture for us this morning. Uh, A couple, maybe a year or two ago, my wife and I uh, were visiting some friends, and it was during the wintertime. And so as we were leaving, uh, we got stuck in the snow. And I have a front-wheel drive car at the time, and I'm just spinning tires, right? I'm trying really hard because I don't want to get out, you know? (laughs) I don't want to have to deal with this. But the more I do the same thing over and over, the more stuck that I get. And the problem is the snow, but also the fact that I keep doing the same thing, right? I have to do something different. So I had to get out. I had to dig us out. And then I had to try to go put it in reverse and then go forward. And it took a couple different tries. But finally, we were able to break free. And I share that with you this morning because I think it might be a picture of us. Maybe you feel stuck. You keep doing the same things, the same habits, the same whatever routine over and over, and you're not finding any breakthrough. There's nothing changing in your life. And I think Jesus is saying to you this morning, try something different. Try me. Try me. Have a relationship with me. Get out of the car. Do something different. Will you stand with me? I want to encourage you sometime this week or the next to take inventory with your family of how you spend your time. Have you made sitting at the feet of Jesus your primary reward? And if not, what steps might you need to take in order to do so? How have you modeled sitting at the feet of Jesus to your family, to your friends? Will you close your eyes? I want to read to you the invitation that I read at the beginning. And I want you to imagine Jesus saying this to you this morning. And so with our eyes closed, just just picture Jesus saying this to you and receive it. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you invite us in with such a joy, that you desire to have relationship with us, that you love us. And Father, I I pray that we would hear that invitation the right way, not out of anger, or shame, but your kindness that leads us to repent. Lord, we repent of anything we've allowed to get in the way of you. Lord, you deserve our best. You deserve our time. Lord, help us to live in such a way that shows that that is true. You are worthy, God. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.